All right. Um, hello and welcome to Hello Governor of the Podcast. Hi. As always, I am Abdullah, and my guest today is introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Diana Karina. Is that how you pronounce your last name, Karina? Yeah. Well, Karina is the anglicized version of it. It's Finnish. So if you were to say it in the Finnish way, it would be Karina, but nobody says that. Because <laughs> I was wondering. Like, Unless what... you're in Finland. Because <laughs> I was wondering, like, why, why, does it, why does it have two A's? That's weird. It has two A's. <laughs> it's truly, it's a name that goes down, like, all the females on my mother's side have that name. And it's, uh, yeah, that's traditional Finnish spelling of Karina or Karina. So there you have it. Mystery solved. All that Mystery waiting. Solved. All that waiting while I was wait while we were trying to get this together. I'm like, how do you say her last name? I wonder. Karina, but you know, if you're in Finland you'd add a little flair, a little Finnish accent. Yeah. So uh, first question is the obvious one, but uh, how did the whole acting thing start? Oh boy, the acting thing started. I started as a as a dancer, believe it or not. I wanted to be a ballerina and I also really, really loved music. So I sang a lot too. And so one day my uh, singing teacher said to me, why don't you combine the two and do musical theater? You could sing and dance together. So uh, I went and auditioned for a musical and it went terribly I forgot all my words and I didn't know how it was getting like it was just an awful experience but I had always had a love of like the old Hollywood musicals the MGM musicals Fred Astaire was my hero Judy Garland all the you know great old uh, stars of the old MGM and of course all the old Disney movies and musicals so it was pretty natural for me to want to do musicals and then uh, yeah I just got lucky and I started doing community musicals. And from there I started learning to act and taking acting classes. And so it's basically all three disciplines like separately and then finally kind of combine themselves, singing, dancing and acting into one big acting thing. Um, so I was really, really lucky. I was really, really lucky because my teachers, because I was very young when I started doing it, my teachers are the ones who kind of connected me to the business, to an agent, to everybody. They're like, you're going to go talk to this person now. And now you're going to audition for this thing now. Otherwise, I would have just been kind of blindly wandering around, just doing my lessons and not really sure about how to you know, proceed and become a professional actor. So that's where it all came from. I guess I always had a love of doing that, or not necessarily performing, but a love of watching musicals and movies and TV and media and cartoons and all that stuff. So it was a roundabout route, thanks to wonderful, wonderful teachers who just sort of pushed me all in the right direction. What do you love and hate about what you do? Oh, I don't think there's anything I hate. I love everything about animation. I think it's so fun. It is truly the best gig in the business. Cause I started, when I started doing um, professional acting, I started Actually, you know what? My first gigs were voiceover gigs, but then I started to do musical theater, live stage stuff for a really, really long period of my life. And that I can tell you is hard because you're doing the same thing, eight shows a week. And for me, I did long runs of shows. So I did like three and a half years of the same show, eight times a week, or almost six years of the same show, eight times a week. So that was what I found very difficult was just, you know, 
not a lot of variety in what you were doing on a daily basis. But with animation, it's variety all the time. It's just constant, constant challenges and fun stuff and, you know, neat characters and things you'd never possibly play for real as an actor, you know, if you were on screen, um, like animals and anthropomorphic things and kind of cool stuff. And so, yeah, I think I love all of it. That's a long answer. Hey, but I love about animation, about acting. Eh, there's things that are, you know, challenging and and uh, repetition. And that is one of the big challenges for me, getting stuck in a rut that way. And how did you take to the dubbing process? Was that something easy to get into or was that hard? Dubbing is where I started. So um, I didn't know any better. <laughs> I wish I wish I could say I started in freelay and it was like, oh, we just get to freely act and do whatever. But I started in dubbing. So for me, it was just always fun. It was like a challenge. I started as a teenager. So uh, I, I found that uh, just like the the thrill that they would hire someone as young as I was and let me actually do this uh, was super, super fun. So I never had a moment where I was like, this is hard. It was just more like, wow, I can't believe they're actually letting me record this <laughs> in this room and they're letting me do it. Amazing. And, and I what, have to say. And was Ramna one half your first um, official credit? Cause that's what it says on IMDb. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Ramna one half. I think that was the first big animation dubbing thing that came out for sure. And then the other things that I did outside of that were um, not nearly as famous. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if anyone's even heard of them. So definitely it was around the one half. I mean, because, the, <laughs> because that, because I remember that was dubbed in, you know, in Canada, that was like one of the first um, dubs that came out. That was like, that was one of the ocean group dubs, right. The, that came out during, during that time yes. so, so that was yes. pretty cool it's like oh yeah it's, uh, yeah that's pretty cool you were there during the the heyday of of ocean group <laughs> believe it or not the director at that time was terry classen went on to be a prelay director but he was the director for my adr session or my dubbing session over at ocean and when i went back into dubbing or a uh, just animation in general and prelay he was my first director on the next project I did and I don't think he knew or remembered at all that we had done that however many years ago and I don't think I ever reminded him either but I also was using my maiden name at the time because I am half Chinese half Finnish so my maiden name is Wong that's uh, my birth name and so when I started using my middle name as my performing name um, then he probably didn't have a frame of reference to go oh yeah that was that girl from years ago that did Rama one half back at ocean crazy i also know that you did barbie for a couple of of uh director dvd movies uh how did that come mm -hmm. about that was um see i had been doing musical theater like new york shows and and national tours for a long time out in new york and then i had my my first daughter and I came home because Vancouver is my hometown to raise her so she could be around her cousins and her grandparents and everybody. And, uh, and I called up my agent and said, I'd love to go back into voiceover if they'll have me. And, and so I did a bunch of auditions and the first big thing I landed was Barbie. And it was because they were revamping the brand at the time. So they wanted to, uh, the previous Barbie 
this is my understanding of it and how it was, how it was explained to me was that the previous incarnations, Barbie was always playing somebody. She wasn't herself. She was Barbie as whoever in, in the princess, the 12 dancing princesses or whatever. So she had a different name and they said, we want to revamp her and make her herself, always herself having her own stories. So uh, yeah, I, I was just, my agent called me up, said, here's an audition for Barbie. They want to make her sort of more uh, natural and relatable instead of princessy and uh, and more like a, a human character instead of like a fairy or uh, whatever she might have been, princess. I'm not sure because I haven't seen all those early Barbie movies. Um, and then uh, and then I got super, super lucky. I, I was really, really lucky that they had me after a bunch of callbacks they said hey we're gonna you're the you're the one we're really leaning on and next thing I knew I was cast pretty amazing it was a pretty big deal because for me I thought oh my gosh it's gonna take me a long time to come back and break into animation because animation in Vancouver as you may recognize is is like a really tight-knit group and I wasn't sure I would ever be able to break that coming back after having left it as a teenager and I was just super, super overjoyed and happy to just be given a job at all. So it was really exciting. And does it feel weird, like uh, hearing yourself and stuff, or are are you just used to it? Oh, it's super weird. <laughs> it's always super weird. I, I, yeah. The weirdest thing for me is that I have two little girls. So my little girls love and cartoons, and sometimes I'll be listening, and I'm like, "Hey, yeah, that's me." <laughs> your mom and so I usually don't say anything I just keep it kind of quiet but when when I was doing Barbie my daughter was into Barbie so she was like this is super weird that you're the voice of Barbie while I'm watching Barbie and then uh, the other weird that that's pretty much where I hear it if I hear it at all is listening to it kind of as my kids have discovered it or found it so I know nowadays kids are streaming stuff watching stuff and you're like hey you're watching me. You, you hear your voice <laughs> in the background and it's like, yeah. oh, that's me. <laughs> hey, that's me. And then I'm always like, should I tell them? Nah. Let's see if they figure it out. <laughs> and, and I also know that, you know, one of the one of the other big franchises that you were that you were a part of was uh My Little Pony. And I'm kinda wondering like how did that also come about? The same thing. I did an audition and uh I was super, super lucky to be cast again um you know everybody that works in animation here in Vancouver is so amazing and it's always so fun to work with the people and and one of the things uh being a female in animation like My Little Pony is that you just want to try to find something that's different and what was really fun for me for My Little Pony is that the first thing I did was a villain and I had been kind of known for doing the Barbie voice at that time so it was like crazy crazy fun for me to do something that was not so elevated and sweet and wonderful and Barbie-ish and just be kind of like, whatever, just get to like pull out that villain and be kind of mean. So I loved it. <laughs> what I love about the, um, you know, Friendship is Magic uh, reboot that they did back in the 2010s is that they went to Canada with it and that show pretty much kept every actor working in, in, in Canada in animation employed for for that for an entire decade <laughs> it was amazing it was wonderful you know at the time 
I was, I've always been kind of like, just going back to my story, just an actor who kind of fell into things because people just said, go here, do this. Yeah, you know what you should do? You should do that. And so I've always just kind of been that following along. And so I remember at the time, because I had worked as Barbie for Mattel, people were like, oh, it's Hasbro. I don't know. They, they might not hire you because, you know, you're a Mattel figure now. And and I thought, oh, there's no way I'll ever get to do a Hasbro cartoon. And boom, I was like, oh, my God, it took a little while. But I actually put a voice on My Little Pony. Of course, I'd long since not been doing Barbie at that time. But it was, it was one of those things that I thought, oh, it'll never happen for me. And it's the biggest show and it's hiring everybody. And oh, I'm kind of like out of the loop. And that's probably totally not even true. That's just stuff somebody probably told me and got in my head. And I, because I don't. I was never like super ambitious and following the trends and stuff like that. I just kind of go to auditions and people tell me stuff and I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Follow along with that. So for me, it was super exciting that like allowed to do a show that was outside of the realm of the shows I was doing before. Plus it was prelay. So you didn't have to worry about like matching lip flaps or anything, any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Thank goodness. And I like and out of all the characters you voiced, which one which one would you say was the toughest? Ooh, the toughest. The toughest character I voiced. Hmm. That's hard. Um, I did Sour Grapes on Strawberry Shortcake, uh, the last incarnation before this one. And, um, and she was really, really fun. And I loved playing her. But if they ever gave me an episode that was all Sour Grapes, that one just kind of sat in a place in my voice that was just by the end of the session I was like whoo that's a that's a workout and that was maybe like physically the most difficult voice that I've done in animation but it wasn't you know anything like screaming through video games for hours or anything like that it was it's small potatoes (laughs) it's not really anything to complain about but if I had to say which one was the hardest that one just for pure like challenge, physical challenge of doing that voice and maintaining it. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say that one. And you know, coming from a theater background and and doing projects that require you to sing in character, was that hard? Like singing in character, or was it not that difficult for you? It, you know, what's really funny is that I there was only one project I had actually sung on before. Um, Strawberry Shortcake in in um the other in the Barbie stuff they did all the singing in LA and it's other singers and ironically this is really fun Melissa Lyons I want to sh- throw a shout out to Melissa and I did Les Mis together <laughs> and we were both in the show and she ended up being a Barbie the singing voice of Barbie before I was the speaking voice of Barbie so we have this co- super cool connection that we did the same musical and the same cartoon just maybe not quite at the same time. Um, and she's amazing. She sounds beautiful. Um, but before that, all the singing was kind of done by other people. So I never had to sing in a cartoon until a cartoon called Mighty Mighty Monsters that I did. And in that one, they had me singing, but I was supposed to be like a bad singer. So that I didn't find challenging at all because it was really, you know, there was no pressure because it had to sound bad. So that, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, if I'm in character and I'm singing and it has to sound bad, no problem I can do that um but now uh 
show called Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, and I have to sing in character voice as um, Blueberry Muffin. And that one I find really challenging to sing in. Like I sang in a lot of character voices on stage in live theater, but this voice, just because it isn't super, super projected, it's really, I find it hard to sing as that voice because it she doesn't project, but, um, but I'm learning. I'm learning my tricks. I'm finding my tricks and how to do that. In the theater, you get a lot of leeway because you can project. So it always pulls out whatever the best part of your voice is when you sing. But singing on mic like that is so different for me. Fun though. And how do you avoid vocal damage? I think it's just, I've been so lucky that I have voice. My dad has a super big booming voice and I am so lucky that I was born with that voice because I have been like incredibly, incredibly um, taxed vocally doing shows. Like I did the Phantom of the Opera for three and a half years. And in that show, I had to scream 10 times every show, eight shows a week. And, you know, after a little while, you learn these little tricks on how to scream, like do blood curdling screams 10 times in a show, eight times a week. Um, and I think just through experience, learning where to play stuff, how to like, use the microphone correctly and also just being lucky enough to have genetic uh perks that my voice doesn't really tire out so much uh, i was just super super lucky to keep my voice kind of working but i do notice now because i'm not singing the way i did when i was singing professionally like doing musical theater that you know you really have to keep it in shape you do have to do those warm-ups and you do have to do those scales and you do have to do all that stuff or else, you know, you get a little, little, uh, the range gets a little tighter. Yeah. You, you can't go in there and be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to down like a, an entire bottle of tequila, a tequila before like, a, <laughs> yeah. for like a record session. <laughs> exactly. It's like this. Oh yeah. And also as you get older, it's like, oh, it doesn't look like as easy as it used to. <laughs> a little, uh, warm up here. I need a little, uh, run into this, uh, little momentum to get to where I used to be, but I mean, it's still pretty, it's, it, it's, it's been a years and years in my life of using my voice that it just is kind of one of those things that you start to, to just uh, do naturally without even really thinking about it. And you start to learn all these little tricks and, you know, ways of, of working around if you have a cold or if you have allergies. But the one thing that really gets me is smoke. Like there's been a lot of wildfires and there's not much I can do when it's smoky outside. I just, oof, that, I haven't figured out a trick to get around that smoke. <laughs> Maybe it's mask. <laughs> I'm asking, I was like, hey, the smoke isn't bothering me. Um, mask when it's wildfire season. I mean, when, I, I would imagine like if, if something like that happened, you just go out with like triple masks on and just, you know. <laughs> I think you're on to something because I really did notice when we were masking and we had wildfire season, I was like, oh my God, my voice is fine. <laughs> like normally there's, it gets bad up here in BC, like lately in the summer, it's really, really actually terrible that you've had so many wildfires, but the smoke is just really overwhelming sometimes. And it likes, you know, chain smoking or just being kind of in a campfire all day. And uh, I definitely notice it, but yeah yeah this using the masks in these pandemic times i was like oh oh i guess it does make a difference 
speaking, <laughs> uh, speaking of the pandemic, you know, when when that happened initially, did you have a home studio set up ready to go or did you did you I did as... not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> going back to my previous answer to your question of always being like, what? Oh, I need to do what? <laughs> Having people kind of gently nudge me in the right direction. Um, my agent had sent out an email saying, hey, everybody, you should probably get a home studio because it's, we don't know what's going to happen in the pandemic. And so I did. I ended up building one in my closet, which before that I had kind of this, like if I ever went on vacation and I needed to do auditions or auditions from home, I had this kind of soundproof. It wasn't a studio. It was a box that I put my mic in and it was literally like the size of a, of a packing box, you know, like, and you just put mic in and you kind of lean your head in and record. And it, it did a pretty decent job of muffling outside sounds and keeping everything kind of tuned nicely. But then I thought, Oh, I better actually do something. So well, I turned the, one of the closets in my house, like a lot of voiceovers, voiceover actors into a little tiny closet studio and was prepared sitting there going, okay, here we go. It's going to all start happening. And I'd never had to use it, <laughs> but I mean, I use it for auditions now, which is fantastic. And I use it for callbacks and I've used it for read throughs, but I've never had to use it once for, a. oh wait, I lie. I used it for a, a one podcasty pickup thing but that was it other than that i've never used it so hey it's there i could use it maybe i'm not like um some of the amazing there's some amazing voice actors out there who are working from their home studios but i've been lucky enough that i could go actually into a studio and never had to use that one except to audition it's i think it's better to it's one of those cases where it's better to have it than not than not need it because it's like you never know because it's like hey you know if if I need to like knock out a couple auditions, it's there like you don't have to like drive to yeah. to a studio or be like hey you know does does anyone have a studio I can use to to record yeah. these auditions? Because <laughs> before that, me and my iPhone auditioning and um. I got, and then I got that little box thing and it like up the up the game a little bit. But now that I have this studio, wow, my auditions are like, oof, they are so clean and beautiful. And I listen back sometimes like uh, every now and then I'll I'll have to reference something that I recorded earlier and I'll re listen to it and go, oh, my God, that sounds so bad. I can't believe they ever hired me. It was just me on my iPhone in some closet somewhere recording. It has seriously improved the quality of my auditions, I must admit. But uh, I don't know if I would have done it if it weren't for the pandemic. So thank you, pandemic. You actually pushed me again into another being uh, for my career. I mean, it's either you, <laughs> it, it's either that or, you know, just try to call in as many favors as you can. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Be like, um, hey, anybody, anybody? <laughs> There's some nice ones out there. Like I on Instagram and stuff, I see my friends and my fellow coworkers on in their studios going, "Wow, that's beautiful." <laughs> I'm impressed. I don't know if they built it themselves or if they got somebody to build it for them, but wow, <laughs> they look beautiful. And they got lighting, man, fancy. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of amazes me how like some voice actors now, you know. Po you know, post pandemic, 
uh, just record their stuff from home. Like they, they, they don't even yeah. like leave their house anymore. It's like, Oh, I yeah. already have like a, a studio quality, you know, home studio. I don't mm -hmm. have to like, I don't have to go anywhere. And it's like, man, I wish I had that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, Good. But as you can see, I mean, I mean, we started recording afterwards, but my house is a little bit of chaos because I'm a mom and I've got kids and dogs and cats. And oh my gosh, if I had to record at home, I don't know what would happen. I really don't. There'd be my cat recording at home. She feels like she needs to rescue me from the booth when she hears me in there. And she throws her body full on against the door of the thing. So I have actually have a an mp3 file on my computer that I keep adding to of just my interruptions of my cat meowing and throwing herself out of the door going I'll save you I'll I hear you in there screaming actually quite entertaining maybe I should put it out there in social media one day and be like here's my cat all the things I had to edit out of my audition <laughs> uh, oh no I remember back when uh, everyone was like stuck at home and I think I recorded like one episode and, and a person's like cat just went in during the record of the podcast and and I kept it in because I thought that was really funny <laughs> so great it's actually it, I love it because I just love life I love when things go crazy I maybe it's the live theater actor in me but you know like I was saying routine gets kind of boring so when goofy stuff like that happens oh I eat it up I just love Cats meowing, dogs barking. The other thing, a lot of people have problems with leaf blowers and garbage trucks and what it is, but I live in a neighborhood full of kids, so there's always somebody walking by screaming or yeah, like just little kids in the in the streets. I'm like, oh man, I have to do all my auditions like at midnight just so that there's no sound in the background. How do you like balance your your work and personal life? Because I I can't imagine that being very easy to do. Because like you have kids and you're a mom and you have to balance that. And it's like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not super. I mean, this is a dream job for a mom. To be honest, voiceover is so civilized in the entertainment industry because you usually work Monday to Friday, nine to six. You're not going to work outside of those hours and you know, if you were a, a film actor, you could be on set, you know, all hours and weekends and, you know, right through the night and who knows what. But in voiceover, you kind of know you could be home for, you know, dinner and get kids to bed. So that has been a wonderful blessing. Um, another great thing about the pandemic is that we have been called in separately, which is also kind of a... a you know, disappointing because you don't get to act off anybody and you don't get like the camaraderie and the cast to gel together and do a prelay all together. As I'm sure you've already heard from so many voice actors through this, uh, through your podcast and through your interviews that through this pandemic, yeah, we've had to go in kind of alone. Um, but as a mom, you're alone and record all your lines. And if you done your homework and you're ready to go you can be in and out of there you know a lot faster than you would be if you were in a full prelay of the of the entire script with everybody so that's also made it a lot easier for me to balance so when we go back it's going to be a little different but the littlest one will be in kindergarten so hopefully the timing is kind of ideally magical for me <laughs> so who knows I hope we go back 
everyone says we're going to go back to pre-laying together again. And I'm, I'm sure we will, but I hope we go back sometime soon. But yeah, the balance is challenging, but this is a like dream job. It's not like I know for sure I'm going to be in studio from nine to six every day. Like I can, I can kind of plan things around when my sessions are going to be and how long I think they're going to be. And, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a huge gift. I was just about to ask, like, have you ever gotten the chance to meet any of your fellow um, castmates that you've, that you've worked with? Yes. Yes. Cause when we, when I started, we laid together. So I know a lot of them, but you know, during the pandemic, we haven't been together, but I, I, I think I know almost everyone. There's just a few people that I, I don't know. And sometimes meet in passing at the door and we're like, hi, <laughs> hi, it's so great to see you for a few minutes. And, uh, and then switch, you know, switch places in the studio and get going. But it's been, um, it's been really weird. Uh, I just did a project. There's an, there's a, that is under NDA that I cannot say, but uh, where we actually got to record together. And that was fantastic. Um, and it was, wasn't like full cast. It was two of us at a time, but um, it just makes such a difference to do that. And I miss the camaraderie of all those people. And we all kind of a, a family, a voiceover family. So it's really lovely to see everybody when you get to see everybody. And, and yeah, I, I do miss that. But uh, I'm sure there's a few new faces out there that I haven't yet met and I would love to meet and work with in person. And I mean, we've met in passing, <laughs> but uh, it's a whole different thing when you get to, you know, play tennis together, volley our lines off of each other. And um, who was uh, the most, like out of all the people you've worked with, who, who, who would say, who would you say like blew you away with their talent? Like, you're like, oh my goodness, oh. like... <laughs> Everybody, constantly. I felt like a new kid. I feel like I started and then I went away and I did theater for so long and theater was my life for so long. And then I came back and I and I jumped back in. I felt like a new kid again. Like when I didn't know anybody, when I look back at that Ronmo one half that I did, I'm like, oh, we all work. I mean, it, it was dubbing, so we didn't work together, but we were all on this together, but we'd never met. Um, and when I came in, I was just like constantly blown away by just the talent because I had, like I said, never done a prelay before. So when I came in I was, and I had to do my first prelay, I had no real experience doing that. I took a workshop from Kathy Muslick, who is Spike on My Little Pony. And so I knew her and that was amazing. When I got to do a session with her, I was like, oh my God, my teacher. Um, and then uh, Barbie I did with, Yes, it was with Tabitha and Tabitha was just like killer. She's amazing always in everything. And um, everybody, oh my gosh, Brian Drummond who just plays everybody. Um, and uh, Vince is fantastic. And so many, like everybody, I'm always just totally blown away by their talent. I'm just like, whoa, look at you go and how fast you work and how, um, how easy you can like make your, switches and your accents and your changes of voices and just everybody is just this this medium is so impressive when you've done when you come from theater where you come in and you rehearse for like you know a month and solid and you like put everything down and you've got it like 
you take that time to develop characters and relationships and you've got, you know, a whole day of nine to six of just rehearsing one, two scenes. And then, uh, and then you come into voiceover and they're like, and go, just go. It was like, whoa, wait a minute. There's no read through. There's no anything in my first few years, sessions, everybody just go was mind blowing, mind blowing. So now when I, when I work with somebody who's new, I just do my best to be like, you got this, you can do this. You're like, you know, it, it may seem weird because there's no rehearsal, but you're going to just kill it. Just have fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was a roundabout answer. I don't think I said who blew me away with my talent, with their talent, but it was everybody. But Tabitha was the first one I worked with. I would say Tabitha just totally blew me away when she came in and just was switching characters and just doing stuff on the fly. Killer. Yeah, because now that I'm thinking about it, like because because the 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 Canadian talent pool is like such a tight knit group, you really do see yep. like the same two or three people yep. in everything. Now that I think yep. about it, <laughs> yep. And especially in the girl cartoons, they're like a nice little tidy group of us ladies that you know that we we kind of. I always say we come into an audition and and we're all like all ready to do the job and we've all got the experience behind us to probably pull the job off so it's really just kind of picking for the directors and the producers and the writers and the teams to pick their favorite color basically what color are we paint in this one blue green purple because <laughs> we could probably all pull it off but you know pick, pick your wallpaper <laughs> yeah because i think yeah. you know going back to you know my little pony that that because that because that franchise is aimed at like you know girls and that has like a huge you know female uh cast yeah it must have been hard casting all those roles because it's like man <laughs> yeah because you listen like even going back to the barbie cartoons you listen and you're like wow they all like we could all like interchange really like <laughs> the voices are, are all young sweet girls or funny or neat characters and you know you just got to try to work on finding that one thing that can make your voice different from everybody else's that's in the studio that day. And it's what I find that's super hard when you have a musical ear or you're like really good at listening is you start to pick up everybody's little qualities and quirks and you got to work so hard to not start to all sound alike, you know, like a choir when a choir gets together and starts to sing and everybody's like blending and going, Oh my God, we have to do the opposite. We can't blend. We have to sound different. Uh, and, yeah. And did you get, did you ever get a chance to work with, um, you know, Trevor Duvall or David Cade before they left for America? Trevor, I worked with Trevor. <laughs> he, he played my uncle in dinosaur train. What else did Trevor and I do? We did a we did a video game for an Xbox video game that never saw the light of day, which was really cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, they went a different way. So uh, not not with the uh, casting or the game, but they went a different way with the uh, so uh, not software, the hardware, like the thing that they were going to use to play video games with the controller. So then the game became kind of absolute, but. We worked on that for a long time together. And uh, what else did we do? We've done a few things together. I don't remember what all. The last thing we did together was that dinosaur train. Because he moved to California at that time, but he came up for that. Yeah. Fun. Super fun person. This guy. Um. <laughs> and at the time, 
on a very I did that wasn't Barbie was a show called She's Out, um, which had um, Sam Vincent and Matt Hill and myself. And at the time, I did not realize what royalty I was in the room with. <laughs> but it was just the three of us doing voiceovers. Sam is another one, and Matt too, of course. But Sam is um, the chameleon of voices. My God, he's just all over the place. And and I just, I remember being in those sessions, watching those two guys go, and they taught me so much about the business at that time. They would just be like, you got to do this. And I remember Trevor was around at that time, and he was really good friends with them. So I think I maybe met him. I maybe met him through Sam and Matt at the time. I don't know if he was a guest on the show. But that was a cool cartoon, She's Out. <laughs> Ahead of its time. No, it, it's it's crazy to me because now I'm thinking about oh man, you you not only got to work on a project with you know Sam Vincent and and Matt Hill, but you also worked with like basically you're just working with like the two Eds. That's that's just yes. insane. <laughs> it was crazy, and Terry was the director who was the director of Ed, and uh, I had no like I was just this like green kid coming off you know, musical theater coming into voiceover and going, what am I doing? And I had no idea. I just thought, oh, these two guys are nice. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to be, they're so laid back and wonderful and loving and supportive and just super great guys. I could not have asked for a better introduction into the business. And they just, like everybody I've worked with has been absolutely amazing. It's really just a wonderful community as you've probably heard multiple multiple times but it's actually true nobody is goofing around it's true they really are a really nice group and wow so hey that was one of the first things i did with with them and then i was lucky enough yeah but it's like from like 15 years ago to do another the the creator of ed ed and eddie did another pitch for a cartoon and I was lucky enough to do that pilot and work with him and I was like not aware at the time but I remember Terry saying you know this guy's really important <laughs> okay okay so I guess I have a connection to Ed Ed and Eddie that I didn't even know cool super cool because because a lot of times people forget like oh no that was a Canadian cast and just people forget because mm -hmm. it was hugely popular back in America in back in the day so people assumed, oh, it was, yeah. it, was, it was American, right? Nope. <laughs> I think it aired like super fully in Canada even. I think it was one of those shows that that was recorded here and didn't like actually have a huge network spot here in Canada, which is, you know, a lot of shows that does end up happening, not so much nowadays, but back then. And yeah, so it's pretty wild. It's awesome. it's so funny to me because like you know back you know being a '90s kid I grew up with Beast Wars and Beast Wars oh, yeah. as you know was done in Vancouver and it wasn't until years later that I realized oh it was a Canadian cartoon and because I had no idea because like it's a you know Transformers and you know it it was all over yep. the place yeah and i'm like was it ever popular in canada and then i look it up and it's like no it was never popular <laughs> in canada what are you talking about there's you know there's so much stuff that we do that 
it ever going to air here? Like they give us, they give us the air dates for stuff and it's going to happen in the States and we can't watch it. It's like, Oh no. But now, you know, there's workarounds and ways to find stuff. And then it eventually makes its way up here, but there's still stuff that oh, wish it was like mainstream up here. I hope it comes up here soon. <laughs> the one that I can think of just recently was um, Supernatural Academy, which was a super cool cartoon that Peacock did. And and we were all so excited to see it. And we had to wait forever for it to make its way up here into Canada. It was like streamed many times over by people in the U.S. <laughs> before it got up to us. Uh, yeah. So, Speaking yeah. of that, I know that the, what was it, like a, a show you guys worked on, one of the last animes, the current animes that, that have been dubbed in Canada was Dragon Quest. And mm -hmm. that kind of had a little, the release history of that English dub is kind of weird because it kind of came out of nowhere <laughs> because like it's a two-year-old anime. It's being dubbed yep. in English. Okay, cool. By who? Okay, Ocean. Pretty cool. All Canadian cast. That's cool. We don't get that a lot in, in anime. Is it going to be on, on Crunchyroll or any of those other streaming services? Nope. <laughs> it's going to England. <laughs> and then it got released, what? you know, the first 26 episodes got released in England. And then it wasn't until like November of last year did it get released. You know, first 50 episodes at least are, are released in English. So it's kind of like, what is going on with this show? <laughs> And we're so, you know, anytime you work on anime stuff, it's so tightly wrapped that we're not, we're not even in the loop. Like, we don't even know what's happening. <laughs> so it's kind of a surprise to us, too. When it's like, oh, oh, it's out? Oh, did you talk about it? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> yeah, because, but... well, because um, I remember when I had, like, Brian Drummond on, like, I, you know, I talked about, you know, his characters briefly, you know, I didn't go into detail about like what, what their roles were, but, you know, I talked about his characters. I'm like, I had assumed, okay, okay, you know, I can mention it. But then when I, and when I interviewed like Eric, Alex Zahara, he had told me like, oh, I'm not allowed to talk about it, but it's like, it's already out, dude. And it's like, oh, really? Oh, okay. I guess we're allowed to talk about it then. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that's so funny is like, you get this email it's like okay you can talk about it but you can't talk about uh this or that <laughs> it's like oh okay you got to be so careful and I try to do my best but yeah it, when it's out there it's kind of like well everybody knows already I think everybody that can that can uh, access the internet knows so yeah that those those properties are so carefully guarded which I mean, I understand for sure, but it definitely makes it uh, challenging for us as actors to remember what what we're supposed to promote and what we're supposed to keep on the hush-hush. <laughs> but, but how did that come about? Was that a general audition or was that just something you were brought in for? That was like I was I was requested to audition, but I it was a definitely um yeah, it was definitely just like a regular audition. You know, everybody gets requested, I think, to audition for some of those projects. And uh, yeah, I got super lucky with that one. Cause got to play a super cool character. She's really fun. She's so fun. And some of that anime, I don't know if you've seen any of it, but some of that fight scene animation in that show is super cool. Like it's, 
it's like a hybrid of um, CGI and hand-drawn almost. It's really cool. So sometimes I'm doing the sounds and I'm like, wow, <laughs> that looks awesome. Yeah. Hey, she's coming at the screen. <laughs> How do you feel about her her look uh, going from you know normal like mage get up to like almost Chung Li martial artist? Listen, she is she's a beast. Like, come on, she she went from just casting spells with her little gun to kicking butt hardcore, and you know she just left for a little while and trained. It didn't take that long. <laughs> So I was, I thought it was pretty fun. I think it's super fun. It's one of those great um, foils in animation or in anime that that characters can develop so quickly or change so drastically. And I just thought it was so fun that she just was this kind of meek mage. I mean, she was never meek, but you know, she was this regular folk kind of mage gal. And then she came back with all this hardcore skill. <laughs> That's fun to me. No, what, what, <laughs> what's funny about her character arc is like what they replaced her with someone who also voiced Barbie. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. kind of hilarious. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's so much fun stuff. There's like when you look at all the crazy stuff that goes on in animation and and way people are connected, you got you kind of go, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And then there's stuff that um like they'll call you in and be like, you're, oh, you're playing this character today too. And you go, oh, I didn't. And you realize that maybe the the person who voiced it originally also played that character. So they're just assuming you're going to do the same thing. So then you go, oh, cool. Nice little bonus for me. <laughs> I get another character. Thanks. Whoever originally voiced this for pulling that off. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just kind of like, it's, it's one of those shows that's, like really fun to watch because it reminds me of like a lot of the shows that I used to like watch as a kid like you know just action adventure you mm -hmm. know straight up like oh, what are, mm -hmm. how are how are heroes gonna get out of this one sort of thing yep you know? <laughs> like yeah, very trouble very stylized very like very old school approach to anime to anime like very 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 straightforward I mean the story's not nothing to write home about but it is like a lot of a lot of fun for what it is. I agree. I, and, you know, it's so funny because when we do dubbing, we just we just cut between our own lines, right? As I'm sure it's been explained to you before, we don't get to watch the whole thing and do it. We get to just see the little clip that we're supposed to revoice and and try to match the flaps. And for the longest time, my character was never in a scene or ever saw any kind of dragon. <laughs> For the longest time, I was like, why is this called Dragon Quest? Where's the dragon? Remember the director being like, oh yeah, there's dragon. Like, okay, good. Okay, good. Does, does my character get to meet one? I hope so. Like it's, I, lo <laughs> I love how it's called Dragon Quest, but like, you know, dragons are just like secondary creatures. Yeah, like, totally. Like, I'm like, what? Me something. Why is this called Dragon Quest again? When do I get to meet a dragon? <laughs> I get to be a dragon? Oh, please tell me I get to be a dragon. <laughs> no. These are the kinds of things I ask in sessions, which is probably <laughs> not super, but you know, it's a good thing to know as an actor. 
am I evolving into a dragon at some point? It is in the title. <laughs> yeah. We were advised too not to watch too much of it because we wanted to put our own our own spin on it. So when you get those kinds of things, those kinds of directions, I go, okay, I'll, I can't cheat. <laughs> but but did, but did you watch the show when it came out? You know, in English. I, you know, in any of it. Oh, I have to. I have to watch it. It's you know, like I was saying, I I don't usually seek out my stuff right away because it's just weird for me to watch myself sometimes but I do see it when my kids get involved but uh, I don't know if they'll ever my 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 older daughter would be this would be something that would be up her alley because she was a super Pokemon kid and she loved all those kinds of cartoons and anime stuff but she's now older so she would shit but I might have to seek this one out myself. Maybe it's just coming around full circle to like, I can't rely on watching it with my kids. I gotta watch it just for me. <laughs> so, okay, you convinced me. <laughs> cause there are a lot of really great performances. Like I was surprised, like, cause I remember um, when I had Brian Drummond on when he talked about like voicing General Flazard and how that was really taxing on his voice because it was just like, this gravelly high-pitched voice that he had to maintain for all those sessions and him having to scream out his attacks and what have you. And it's, and I remember watching it and I'm like, Oh goodness. How, how is your throat not torn itself? <laughs> yeah. And you go, Oh man, <laughs> great characters. There's some super fun uh, stuff. And sometimes when we dub back, if we get to do the session, after the other voices have been recorded, we get to hear um, what the previous actor did. And there, I get, I, there's some performances on there that just are so fun and so amazing. And a lot of my scenes are with Cole Howard, who is hilarious and just so natural and so fun. So I always get a kick out of hearing his version of the line before I have to match up what's going on in my, my little script there. So yeah. it's fun. I mean, you know, Vincent is great on that show. Um, oh, like, yes. And I get to work. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, love. <laughs> love is a complicated thing for her. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, Vincent, I did a, he was a prince in a Barbie cartoon, too, that we did together. So we've had a few love scenes before in animation. I mean, also Ian. Ian's just, just a, just a chameleon. A chameleon. Holy he crap. is blow. He is so unbelievably talented. He does the purple pie man in Strawberry Shortcake too, and sings. Like, amazing. We I did a cartoon called Littlest Pet Shop, a world of their own, a world of our own, and um, and he was a character in that that was. So unbelievably funny he would have us in stitches but he was just like a guest character we just always wanted him to come back because he was so crazy funny and from that point on it's just been like gangbusters he's just everything he does I'm like that is killer <laughs> amazing well, because, like because i remember when sonic prime came out on on netflix and everyone was like okay what's his shadow gonna sound like and and i was blown away by it i'm like look 
hire him to be the official voice because he is he's got it like he's so perfect i'm like why can't he be the official voice <laughs> you know you never know you never know this the powers that be things that may happen but yeah that, that he's so talented just insanely talented yeah mm-hmm. i mean even even like you don't even have to watch like the entire show just like look up any of his stuff as kilvern from that show and i was just blown yep. away by it i'm like so charismatic so amazing i'm like cast him in everything yeah. cast him in everything <laughs> yeah seriously and the chameleon quality that you're saying is that you know you can you voice actors you can recognize them even when they're doing other voices but you're like is that Ian? <laughs> yeah, you're like, you need a moment. He's like really got a, a wonderful skill. Yeah, pretty impressive talent. There's a, so many, there's so many impressive talents that you get to hear and just go, oh my God, just. And the thing too that you, people don't realize is how much of it is done on the fly when you're in studio. Like just incidental characters that are thrown at people and they just, boom, knock it out and you're just, really mind-blowing talent and amazing amazing skill sets and just always always impressed i'm always constantly impressed and constantly learning watching everybody because they just are uh, not to toot our own horn but the vancouver voiceover talent pool is pretty darn special and spectacular i think and i've kind of worked all over the world and and there's like a really nice group of talented people with really nice, good hearts too. So it's good to see that good things are happening for all those people. Yeah. But Ian, for sure. One of those like killer voices. Yeah. And I also got to mention, you know, give give a shout out to my friend, uh, Alex Sahara, who is just really, really amazing as, as Mr. Vern. Like he's, you know, one of my favorite villains and, the way the way he makes makes him sound so menacing, but but calm mm-hmm. at all times, mm-hmm. just so well done. And I really loved it when when he got the chance to shine when he got his own like villain arc and you know did the whole giant castle thing. It's oh, he was really great. Yeah, that's the thing that's so wild about about doing these NDA animes where they keep the scripts under lock and key and you just kind of get them just before you record is that people take these characters, take these arcs that you're like not expecting. (laughs) Oh my God, what's happening? And people just get to shine in ways that you just were, you're not sure. You didn't know that was coming for their character. So it's always so fun when people are, you know, that are doing a great job, get these unexpected storylines that just blow you away. Yeah, impressive. <laughs> and be something if you knew that they were building up to it, but you're like, no, they didn't know. They got that script the day before, just like me. <laughs> like, oh, surprise. Uh, I mean, also, I think it's, I think they, they made the right call in telling you guys like, hey, don't watch it in Japanese first because, you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to go in there spoiling anything and going in with those, going in knowing yeah. what's going to come next it's going to put in more pressure on you because like oh okay <laughs> i mean i can understand it because it could it can affect your performance and what you you know choices you make and and so it, it, it makes sense to just be on the ride but yeah it's always wild because we don't get those scripts ahead of time we don't get to see and so when you see it and go whoa this person's got a lot of load to carry this week <laughs> I bet they weren't expecting that. Yeah, 
kind of fun. Hopefully the, <laughs> the, the other 50 episodes will see the light of day at some point. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I mean, it would be silly for them not to do that, right? Because <laughs> I, I hate it. I, like, one of the things I really don't like about nowadays is that how easy it is for media to become lost and, and it yes. becomes like, does this exist? Cause like, because yes. there are a lot of rumors that happen because a lot, a lot of times, like, mm-hmm. you know, there are shows that get canceled after one season and yep. people assume, Oh, there were like two seasons done, but in yeah. actuality, there weren't any two seasons. Cause I remember like, there was like a couple of, of, uh, of uh well, what do you call it like uh pretty animated shows that got canceled after one season but because like the the episodes aired in like two batches people assumed oh that meant that there were two seasons but no it was just you know one yeah it's the way they split it up yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like we make it look like that yeah for sure yeah, you know it's it... called the hollow for netflix which was a really cool kind of like mystery lost teen um kind of i guess horror-ish scary version of a, of a cartoon and it was so well received and so fun and uh adrian petri and i were on that together and he we, we were always just saying i wonder if it's gonna i wonder if it's gonna go <laughs> for another one and for a long time we thought there would be another season but no no it didn't happen and you never know because it seems super popular, but you just, it's hard to predict, especially now, hey? You hear all the stories and everybody's on on the chopping block lately for really, really cool, great shows that I guess the studio heads and powers that be just don't see the value in, so sad. It, it makes me laugh where whenever someone asks me, like, oh, what are some of your favorite shows? Oh, the the one the ones that got canceled those are my favorite shows yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly i know and it's heartbreaking one... it's it's really there heartbreaking is. you know because i remember like when inside job got canceled and i got i was really upset when when i heard that because it's like you already renewed it for a second season why cancel it what after you renewed it that makes no sense and it's like oh wait Cause we got to cut, cut, cut the budget somehow. And we got to find like, whatever is like sacrificial lambs. And it's, it's really, really gross. I, I hate this practice so much. And I was really annoyed by the fact that they didn't even air the full, the full season as one part. They just split it up into two parts. And I'm like, that's not, Oh, that's so scummy. Yeah. It's really scummy. I think it's always, always heartbreaking especially when you're connected when you you know build this nice connection and relationship with the characters and then the characters just kind of get pulled away from you it's always heartbreaking and then it's even more heartbreaking when you know the work has been done sometimes the episodes are are made and they just don't get to air (laughs) that's even more heartbreaking because you know they're out there but they won't see the light of day that's just ah but that's showbiz that show show business not show friends yeah and and it's <laughs> and it's even worse when you record something and the animatics are done the recordings mm-hmm. are done 
they just need to ship it off overseas for animation, but they just never do that. I remember like Glitch Text had that problem where for whatever reason Netflix decided to just split the split the uh nineteen episodes that were finished into two parts instead of just, you know, airing the nineteen episodes and then, you know, just shipping off the ones that that needed to be finished to be finished. They yeah. just said, nah, we're not interested. And it's like, why? You know, like Nickelode- Nickelodeon has no interest in the show. That's why they dumped it on Netflix. And Netflix was like, oh, we don't have it. We don't have any interest in this. And I'm like, why? Like it came out during <laughs> like 2020. Everyone's stuck at home. Everyone was hungry for content. So why not take a chance on this? I don't understand this. Like why? why ugh, like. Yeah, it's a mysterious time, too. It's. I, I don't think people really know what what audiences want necessarily. So they're just kind of throwing everything out there and then not necessarily taking super great chances at the same time. So it's a hard, hard time because you for you and I, it just seems like, hey, you could just put this out to be downloaded. Like it doesn't even have to, you could just make it available somewhere because there's so many streaming services or, or download services or places you could you know fans could see what was done and people could have their work seen that especially animators and showrunners and you know everybody that's been working you know blood guts and tears on 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 these projects and then just to have them pulled out from under them it's just but you know comes down to that almighty dollar and who's going to get paid and how much it's going to cost to do that and how much work it'll be just to even put it out there. It's just things. It's interesting too, to see how things get marketed and some things get pushed and some things don't. And yeah, I, it, it'll always be a huge mystery to me because I guess too, I, I have always had a, a love for the things that are sort of less mainstream. So a lot of the mainstream stuff, I'm kind of like, Ooh, I don't get it. No, that's that's me as well. Like to yeah. me, like it's hard to find anyone to talk about the shows I watch. I I watch because it's like no one watched that. You know, close enough. Like that's one of my favorite shows that came out. You know, in the past couple of years, but I have yet to meet someone who actually watched that show. So, yeah, so. I was gonna say I don't know that one, Close yeah. but yeah. <laughs> so I had to yeah. like, just like contact one of the actresses, one of the one of the people that worked on, just to just to talk about it. Like, just give me an excuse to talk about the show. Yeah, please, <laughs> please. I don't want to let it go yet. It needs to be here. I know it's. it's I don't know if there's an answer to any of that, except that it's just gonna really depend on having somebody who loves and believes in your project to be in that position where they can champion it. And I don't think there's a lot of those people out there right now. They're looking for the quick, fast. Because I saw something on Twitter that really stuck with me where someone said, like, I understand everybody wants to be creative in like writing, directing, storyboarding, whatever, but we really need creative people in executive positions because Mm-hmm. because a lot of the time these shows are getting canceled because people because uh, people who aren't who don't see the value in creativity exactly aren't you know aren't greenlighting these shows are just like seeing them as afterthoughts and that's why it's mm-hmm. it's so heartbreaking to see these shows that are just made by 
a labor of love get canceled because we want to make like another prequel series to something that no one asked for, or no one had any interest in, but it's an established yeah. IP. So there you go. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Like I turn on TV nowadays and I'm like, Oh, I don't really want to watch anything. <laughs> like, Oh, that and that. Oh, and that again, you know, it'd be nice to have, people who champion creativity and value it but i mean there are they are out there they just maybe don't necessarily have the money behind them yet and one day they will you know one day there will be a champion out there but it's just uh it's tough it's tough to watch really quality projects get squashed you need to you need to go yeah. back to the days of tape trading where we just like <laughs> trade <laughs> <Yeah>. everything <laughs> Yeah. yeah there needs to be like a, a website where people can you know oh wait <laughs> there is one <laughs> make a whole magical youtube network <laughs> or whatever doesn't have to be cartoon yeah another, another thing that really bugs me is that like okay the the network canceled it can't the rights like revert to the creator can't they just like Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Isn't that, <laughs> oh, it's devastating the contracts that people sign. You know, I did a, a short stint in um, pop music when I, between doing Broadway shows and doing cartoons. And, you know, people at that time, again, I was just, I arrived there magically somehow. Somebody was like, you should do this and push me in all the right directions. And um, I learned that if they sign you to a long contract, it's typically because they have something, some an artist that's already like you and they sign you so they can shelve you so you don't compete with the artist they want to push. And I was that was such an interesting light bulb moment for me <laughs> because that meant that there's so many talented people out there, but they are similar to the artist they want to push and they'll never see the light of day. And they think they've got this amazing record contract, but really they've been signed just to kind of keep them in the studio and push them out of the way to not compete. It's, so I wonder how much of that translates across the rest of the business. Hmm. Because Isn't that mind-blowing? Yeah. yeah, because I see yeah. that, like, how many times have we heard, like, stories come out of, like, oh, so-and-so green light, green light this project, and then years pass and we don't hear anything about it ever again. And I think people, and I think uh, studios only do that because they're like, oh, well, we just want to, we just want to have something in the works just in case. Well, we won't guarantee we'll your show will see the light of day, but, you know, yep. just in case. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's kind of a business. Or like, say they have two shows that are similar in type and style, so they'll sign one and just kind of put it over here so that this one can be greenlit you know I think it may be I mean that's what happens in the music industry so maybe it happens places we don't recognize it as happening I don't really know if there's like a I don't I'm not privy to that information I'm just speculating that's a conspiracy theory <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know there's there's a lot of business show that don't always understand as fans of it you know and i think it's unfortunate but you know people have to 
make their money somehow and doesn't always mean that art survives yeah sad (laughs) yeah i I think i'm at that point where it's like okay i'm just gonna just watch the same two or three shows over and over again for the rest of eternity (laughs) because i think that's fabulous (laughs) with that you're talking to somebody who watches old MGM movies still, and those are like what over almost a hundred years old now. <laughs> like, I still watch it. I love it. <laughs> hey, yeah. man. I mean, those those movies are great because, like, man, remember the days when actors played characters? That I miss those days. <laughs> right. I watched some of that stuff, and I'm like, they did that in one take. Time to reset that camera. They did that in one take. There are, I mean, obviously there's cuts here and there and all over the place, but some stuff is really impressive. Anyway, you gotta love what you love and support it. Keep it like your baby and hold on to it forever and just be like, yes. And don't worry about, you know, the machine that exists because I think uh, it's just like, you know, books, music, art, anything, media. You, you just it's there for your entertainment so you know you enjoy it and try not to sweat the stuff that doesn't so exist anymore <laughs> i know <laughs> that's my mom advice for you <laughs> my mom i mean that that's why I, I tell myself hey you know if there's a show that comes out that i really enjoyed i'm like you know just enjoy it for as much as you can because it ain't I know it ain't coming back for another season nope. anytime soon. No, nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. <laughs> Except the Simpsons. Simpsons <laughs> last forever. No, it's, it's funny you mentioned the Simpsons because I was watching like a, an interview with one of the voice actors and he, he pointed out like, you know, people come up to me and said like, and say like the Simpsons has gone on for way too long. And, and people always ask him like, don't you think it's time? to end it don't you think it's time <laughs> but that's the see that's the reverse of what we we're just saying because people must love it right so they love it so it's still there i mean as One long of the as shows that was loved enough to live yeah i mean as long as it keeps making money and as long as it keeps bringing in ratings then you know they're gonna keep making it like it's you know yeah. i don't you know I don't, I'm not interested in the quality. I'm not interested to discuss like the quality of the show. You know, I, I'm pointing out that it is still successful. People still watch it. People like, you know, still consume it. It is still like, Mm -hmm. I I even know people who are like, Hey, you know, if, if a modern Simpsons episode is on, I'll leave it on in the background. So it's like, you're still consuming it. And as long as people are still consuming it, they're still going to be making it. So it's not, it's easy to say, well, oh, The Simpsons has gone on for X amount of years and now it's not the perfect time to end it, but it's still successful. You know, the network executives still see a point in making these episodes. So, And if they didn't, then, you know, then there wouldn't be a point in them making it anymore. So, Yeah, and the thing that I think that gets um, overlooked a lot too is that there's such an importance to character and people falling in love with certain characters. So I think the Simpsons is one of those things where the characters out, outlive the story. You know, that's why it can go on so long because people just love Homer. People just love 
and they find that a friend like a family member so they can put it on like you said in the background so that you know uncle homer's in the back right it doesn't really matter what he's doing or what's happening in the story my cat is here can you hear her purring (laughs) (laughs) she's here and she's purring really loudly um that there's importance in that and sometimes it's it's hard to find that balance as a you know showrunner and a creator of of character and story and and just connecting the way that you should and maybe executives don't always find that connection right away either but I know that's something that I do like if I'm watching a show and I don't really like any of the characters or feel like I want to root for any of them then I'm I'm out so it wouldn't matter how fantastic the story was I just kind of am out even you know if, if there's brilliant writing and brilliant um, creative ideas and ways that the story went and and cool like effects and visuals and all of that stuff if if I didn't kind of care what happened to the people then for me that's my personal my personal likes I just kind of go no I don't I don't need to watch it again but if I love the people, which is, I think, what you're saying, too, about the shows that you love, you love those characters and your, their journeys and all that stuff. You could watch them do whatever. You could watch them read a book. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, wow. I, must, I must have watched, like, you know, Dinobot's character arc from Beast Wars, like, a hundred times now. And I, and I still, it's ne- it's never tiring to me. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I'll never get, I'll never get tired of it. Fascinating <laughs> in that. Yeah, it's. It's, it's so important. I think it's it, it gets glossed over sometimes because people are trying to be fancy, you know, and then they forget that nobody if nobody likes that person, then, <laughs> then it doesn't matter how fancy you are. One cares what happens to them or her or it or whatever. Anyway, that's my that's yeah that's my uh, little moment of depth in, <laughs> in regards to in regards to people and and you know, thoughts of long longevity, what makes something go. <laughs> but you know the that show lost. That show lost because I loved the characters in it. And even though the writing went everywhere and they admitted they didn't know where they were going and there were so many holes, it wasn't it what really mattered to me is I just kinda wanted to see these people and what they were gonna do. Like and I think uh for a lot of people that's I mean, yeah, sure, you're disappointed, like, oh they never address the smoke monster or whatever. I'm just trying to bring up a show that hopefully a lot of people know lost, but um, but they really connected to the piece, the characters that they created, and so then you could kind of take those characters and sit them anywhere, and people would probably watch. Like if they made, you know, lost now in space or whatever, people would watch it because they want to know what happened to those characters. Less so than if that makes any sense. No, I I totally get what you're going with because like yeah. that's, that's why uh, that's why like the American Office is so popular because people mm. really gravitated towards those characters and yep they didn't care that the show went downhill like you see all these videos about on YouTube talking about oh the show went downhill when X Y Z happened but I'm like people didn't care the show was still a hit no. until from start to finish because people generally liked those characters. People yep. liked that setting because it gave them comfort because it, yep. it came out it was familiar. And, it was, yeah, it came out during a time when they needed them and needed it. And like, look, I, 
you know, I, I still watch a couple episodes here and there. Like if I need something in the background, I'll put on an episode or whatever. Like it's exactly, you know, it's fine to have comfort media for God's sakes. Like not everything has oh, to yes. be like, not everything has to be like <laughs> dissecting everything and, and deconstructing everything. Just like, just give me a show that I'm comfortable watching and I don't care. Like, I think I must've watched like, every episode of the loud house over and over again. And, and I know every, every episode by heart by now is, yeah. like, I, don't, I don't care. Like it's a comfort show for me that that show got me through a lot of, a lot of stuff and I don't care. Like it's, it's fine. Like it's, it's whatever we have our own comfort shows and, and let people have that because look, man, past couple of years have been tough on people. It still is. I don't know how long humanity has you know just <laughs> oh no yeah but yeah true just like, like let... find love what you love and don't feel ashamed of it and also like you know what brings you that joy and that comfort is never a bad thing like you know you don't need to feel ashamed of it you can love it proclaim it to the world <laughs> yeah and, and also, okay maybe like... you don't have to proclaim it to the world but... <laughs> And also, like, you don't have to be, like, in the know. You don't have to, to like, keep up with everything. It's like, yep. yeah, I'm good. You know, I don't – yeah, there are tons of shows that I maybe could be watching, but I'm not interested in, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, I'll yeah. stick to what I I know, and I'll just, you know, be happy with that. Like, I don't need to watch, like, the latest Star Wars thing. I'm I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think what it like, that's another great example of what we're just talking about is because the latest Star Wars thing might not have the, like what brings you in is the familiar characters, right? It's, it's when you, you might not necessarily care so much, but if they told you that these certain characters were in it, you might watch it. It's like when, uh, when they made the first, uh, uh, what was it called? The first one back. Uh, and they just put uh, Luke Skywalker at the very end because they found that he just completely distracted. Like, that's all anybody wanted to see. If they put him earlier in the story, everyone was just disappointed because he never, <laughs> he never saw him again. So like, we'll just put, we'll just cut to him at the end and then move on. Because when they did put him in the earlier cut, they checked out because they wanted to see that character because that's who they loved. They didn't want to see all these new characters. But, you know, you have to build this world because time has progressed, but it just goes back and back into that circle of loving what you love, becoming connected, all of that good stuff. And why The Simpsons is still on, even though they've kind of run out of stories. They're still on because people just want to see those people. What are they going to do next? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <sighs> yeah, but there's, there's room in there for new characters, as long as they're interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but if you're just like focused on like cutting edge stuff, like you were saying, and and there's no like nobody to grasp onto, nothing like that, then it, that I think that's a, a big problem too. Is that people are trying to be too cool or too cutting edge, and and then you miss the connection. The connection is what brings us together in entertainment. That's what we always. I mean, doing live theater. The whole point of live theater is to connect with the audience, right? And if you don't connect with the audience and make them feel something, then there's no point. 
and you could be doing the theater without an audience. You could do it in your bedroom by yourself. Don't invite all these people to watch you. So it's like, I feel like that's the same thing across all mediums. If you don't connect with your audience, then you're doomed. Just yeah. do it for yourself. And that's okay too. You can do it for yourself. You can write your own stories and do the ball for yourself. You don't have to connect with anyone but yourself. But if you're trying to make an audience, doggone better connect with them. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think it's yes. Yeah, we've rambled on long enough, and I, yes, we have. Yeah, we and, sure and have. I, I need to like. I, I don't want to keep you on longer than I have to. <laughs> With more theories and philosophies about this, <laughs> the basis of art and connecting with the human race. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, before we get going, uh, can you give us an update on what you're currently working on and where can people find you online? I'm currently working on Strawberry Shortcake there in the big city. Everybody should watch it. It's really adorable. And I love Blueberry Muffin. She's a super, super fun character. Um, and also, of course, you know, keep your eye out for that Dragon Quest. You're questing out there. And, uh, oh boy, there's so many things. They all go out of my head, but there's so many projects coming up. Keep your eyes out for them. They're super fun. The one that I just did where I got to record with somebody, it's going to be really fun, but I can't say what it is. Um, and you can find me at Diana Karina. I might be wrong. At Diana Karina on Instagram and at D Karina on Twitter. It might be D Karina. <laughs> I should probably know that. Hey. Oh, well. Maybe you'll find me. <laughs> All right. My website you. is a mess. My <laughs> website is not is coming. Don't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been a lot of fun. And, you know, we got to get you back on sometime. <laughs> of course. No <laughs> yeah. worries. I'm sorry it took so long. But happy holidays. Happy vacations. Hopefully everybody's now healthy. Sorry I got COVID. All that good stuff. <laughs> but hey. Me. The rabbit. Joy and love to everyone. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.